Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to Woke AF with me, Danielle Moody. Last month, I enjoyed an insightful conversation with Dine activist Ali Young, founder of Protect the Sacred, a group focused on protecting elders within her community. With the recent public health news of coronavirus surges and the Delta variant, I wanted to bring you our full conversation to give you an idea of the issues facing the Navajo Nation that are typically ignored in the mainstream media. Of course, you can hear me tackle plenty of issues that don't get airtime in the media by supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash wokeaf. For now, though, I hope you receive insight and information from my conversation with Allie Young. I want to start off with just... Can you explain to us how Protect the Sacred started and and why? Sure. Protect the Sacred started at in March last year, right, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, late March, actually. Uh, it was right around the time that the Navajo Nation was being hit very hard. And I felt like I needed to do something. I, and I was also being called upon by some of my former colleagues at Shiprock Indian Health Service, uh, physicians and public health professionals who also knew that we needed to be communicating to young people to relay this message of staying home and what the CDC was um, coming down with. So um, I worked with them to really develop messaging that would, um, that, that was sort of digestible because, you know, you think about our communities and especially in Navajo Nation, we have a lot of elders who don't always understand what's happening on the news because they don't speak um, English fluently. So to be able to communicate that important messaging to our youth who could then translate it and, and pass it on to our elders who we were trying to protect because of the ancestral knowledge and the culture and the language that they that they hold and that they're still passing down to many of our young people was really at the core of our work. 
You know, what struck me when I was watching, um, I think it was an expose that was being done on you and on Protect the Sacred. I think it was on NBC. And what struck me was this desire to protect knowledge, right? And understanding that the wisdom and knowledge that you are working to protect is encapsulated in your elders. What has struck me about the pandemic in general is how disconnected American culture seems from actual community. Like this virus, right, to me in a lot of ways was an exercise in how we care and have empathy for each other, right? That it isn't the pull yourself up from the bootstrap, you know, I'm in it for myself type of person. And there was a selfishness that was so very apparent and on display. You know, talk to me about what it means to not just, you know, shun uh, or move away from your from your elders, which we see a lot in 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 our society, in in multiple communities. Um, there isn't this care for the elders, right? Like what, what did we see on the news? It was just the, the initial reports about COVID was who it was hitting where the elderly and young folks are just like, so that's not me. I'm going to stay at the bars and I'm going to stay at the clubs and I'm going to, you know, I'm in it for me. You know, how, what came up for you in terms of like kind of seeing that very stark dichotomy in, in how we care for one another? Yeah, well, I mean, our work, Protect the Sacred, is also a response to, I think, right around that time in Texas, I was seeing reports about um, even the elders in Texas saying that they wanted to sacrifice themselves for for the economy and in and, and this country, the sake of this country. And, and then I, you know, to even see young people supporting um, that, that notion, you know, to um, we'll sacrifice our elders because we need to stay open and our businesses need to thrive. Um, and for me, I was like, absolutely not. That's not the way that, um, at least for my community and Native American culture, um, that we, you know, we revere our elders. And because we, we know that um, they hold that incredible knowledge that is important to all of our communities, not just Native communities, but, you know, all of our communities have, um, especially communities of color, have, our, our elders are sacred in that way. And, um, and so it was heartbreaking to see that, but I knew what I needed to do uh, for my community because we were not going to stand by and let our elders pass. And unfortunately, um, you know, the majority of the I think the death toll in Navajo Nation is uh, probably approaching 1,500 people now. Mm. Um, and over 60% of those deaths are our elders, 60 years and older. Um, and there's a, there's a handful that um, are our traditional healers, our medicine men. Um, and, you know, as it is, you know, that population of our medicine men has been decimated. So. Um, we, we talk about the survival of our communities and especially native communities. Um, it, it's, we credit our traditional ancestral ways to why we're still here today. Um, and so that that's where it came from for me. 
And I think um, when I when I talk to folks about what like the success of um, that we're seeing right now, especially in Navajo Nation, uh, in terms of the vaccination rate, I, I talk about the fact that we um, accomplished that because we know the importance of community and interconnectedness and interdependence. Those two words, interconnectedness and interdependence, it, it seems so foreign to how we have been operating. I mean, you know, obviously COVID uh, began under the Trump administration and we saw that there was no interdependence. There was no community. There was, you know, this every everyone is out for themselves or that this is a hoax. Um, you know, I, I, I want to talk about the erasure uh, of Native American culture experience and even from the historical setting, right, to the current day um, invisible invisibleness of the traumas and the issues that Native American communities are facing. Um, Rick Santorum, who recently was fired from CNN after uh, excessive public pressure for his comments about essentially his ancestors coming over on the Mayflower and, you know, nothing was here, right? Like there was no community, no culture, no people, no economy, no nothing, right? That is literally what he said. It was disgusting. And I, and, and I, well, I, the first time that I watched the clip, because sadly I watched it a couple of times, the first time, Ali, I watched the clip and I just, I mean, all I could do was shake my head. And I just am like, this is what these people think. Like that they brought everything with them. No one taught them anything. No one was like, I, I don't, it wasn't like arriving on the moon, right? What, tell me what came up for you when you heard, when you heard those, those comments. That it was absolutely false. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it, I was angry and my community was angry because for far too long, we've been invisible in our own homelands in our ancestral lands. You know, this, um, we were, were the first peoples of this country. And uh, to hear remarks that way, it is hurtful. And it, it perpetuates that whitewashed narrative that is the reason for white supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, that that um, is the reason for native erasure. And I think that, um, you know, to this day, that invisibility hurts even our Native youth. It hurts. Um, it hurts their mental health and their well-being, and that is why we fight hard against things like Native mascots um, and, and the the negative imagery of our people and stereotypes um, that play into the way that we're can constantly uh, disregarded and and remain invisible. And so the reason, I mean, that's why the whole campaign was started against Rick Santorum with the hashtag remove Rick. And we just kept pushing and we weren't going to give up because, you know, this, that was our, our moment to, to, um, to keep pushing forward and to make sure that we, we won and, and we weren't going to stop. And so it took, um, and when it comes to Native communities, 
we're such a small population that mm-hmm. we know they think we don't matter. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, we're not going to hurt business. We're not going to hurt their numbers. Um, and so that's when we call on our allies and that's, that's what we had to do. We had to call on our allies and say, stand with us, especially allies who have um, big platforms and that are highly influential, like our friend Mark Ruffalo and Ed Helms and, and the, the folks who come to stand with us in solidarity over and over again. And, um, and I think we, we were able to, we um, created a, an open letter to CNN and then um, had folks like them sign on. And I think once uh, Joaquin Phoenix also signed on. And so once the media picked that up and, and realized how, um, how we were all coming together, I think it definitely pushed the pressure on CNN. There is a conversation with regard to our public education system and how, and I talk about this on Woke AF all the time about, I'm a former educator and about how our public education system perpetuates white supremacy through the erasure of uh, the impacts that multitudes of people, specifically for me, black Americans have had on this, on this country and without which we would not have one. Uh, in terms of the economic structure of of America that was built off of slavery. Um, what do you feel for you is, is is missing, because there is so much, I know, that is missing in the narrative right now about Native American culture that we should also be elevating as we're talking about things like the 1619 project that we're seeing an extraordinary pushback against in Republican legislatures around the country. Um, What do you think is missing in terms of an additive to the narrative of the formation of America? I think the, the resiliency of Native peoples and I think that's something, especially when we talk about the pandemic and um, how tribal communities have been hit hard and impacted. You know, I, it was great to see the media covering um, what, what we were experiencing through the pandemic and what um, <clears throat> what the pandemic has unveiled to the rest of the country, like the broken infrastructure within our tribal communities. Mm-hmm. That's important, but at the same time, mainstream media tends to lean into poverty porn, especially when it comes to Native communities. Mm-hmm. And and so the the thing for me that is missing is also highlighting our resilience, how we've been able to overcome being the hardest hit. And now in Navajo Nation, we're basically at herd immunity um, with the with the vaccination rate, and. Um, and, and just the success of our communities being being able to take those resources, um, you know, from the federal government, the the vaccines, and implementing um, just a strategy within our own community, and how we've come together to set up vaccination uh, events and volunteer. It, it has come down to community, and I think that has always been the reason that we've survived as Native peoples is that we rely on each other because the federal government has never been there for Native communities. We have um, treaties that have just been broken over and over, so we've always had to rely on on our on ourselves 
And I think that kind of resiliency needs to be uh, talked about more, uh, especially when we talk about the pandemic. And then um, when we're talking about the foundation of this country, the fact that the Native peoples have contributed so much, um, going back to those two words, interconnectedness and interdependence, we've that that is who we are as Native people. And we know the power in that. And we even um, tried to have that sort of relationship with um, the European invaders, settlers who came over. Um, and we, we tried to uh, have that relationship with them. Um, but, you know, they, they didn't understand um, that concept. They didn't understand, um, you know, our way of life. And so it resulted in us being decimated, but, you know, because we, we held on to those values that are rooted in inter interconnectedness, we've been able to survive. You know, one of the stories that I think um, that did not receive the type of attention that it should have in the 2020 election was how Native communities came together in mass in places like Arizona, right, to help turn that state blue for the very first time. Why do you think that it, what was it about this moment? I mean, I know for me, it's Trump, right? Like, and, and it was just like, he is an authoritarian fascist and needs to be stopped, right? Like, um, and, and that is what drove my narrative, drove my work. What was it about this particular election that you think um, brought out historic numbers in, in your community? Yeah. Similarly, it has to do with Trump's um, leadership, I, I say it in quotes, <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the in the year, the four years that he was in office, you think about um, what happened in our communities um, because of his administration. The Dakota Access Pipeline saw major setbacks um, that that we had won during, you know, at the end of the Obama administration. Um, everything that has to do with the destruction of of Mother Earth, especially or in and around uh, Native communities that um, ha that harm us and um, in our health. And I think also, um, I know that during the Trump administration, the, even the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe lost their reservation. So that was some, that was a huge red flag for Native communities um, to say, if this can happen to them, this can happen to any of our tribes or reservations. So we need to, um, we can't, we can't let um, someone like him who has no respect for native people or native communities, you know, he's publicly um, filed lawsuits against um, some of the tribes up in Connecticut and New York because of, um, because of the casinos that he was trying to establish. Um, and call it and, and saying that, you know, those those people didn't look Indian. So then they shouldn't get the tax breaks that they were receiving because in, and we, we received those because of our the land that was stolen from us and mm -hmm. through, our, through our treaties. So when you don't understand that kind of 
that that true basic history of the relationship that Native people have to the federal government, then you should not be um, the president of the United States. And so for us, that was really what it was about. And we came out in record numbers to make sure, to ensure that we were electing officials that would sincerely bring us to the table and, and bring us into conversations that uh, impacted policies or that that uh, created policies that impacted our communities. As a Black woman, I am always applauding uh, Black women, Black people who are credited with first, right? Whether that be President Obama, whether it be our Vice President Kamala Harris. For the first time ever, we have a Secretary of the Interior that is actually Native American. Go, go figure, right? It only took, what, hundreds of years for us to get to this place. And while I celebrate these moments, it also makes me enraged that we are at a place where we're still getting to these first. What is it? What did it mean to you and how do you feel um, about that appointment and 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 recognition? Is it is it is it a, a both and where it's just like, yay, let's celebrate. And also, really, you know, like we're just getting here. Yes, both and absolutely um, proud of Secretary Holland and, I, and Indian country has been behind her since um her first political moves in New Mexico. And as an indigenous woman who is from New Mexico as well, um, I am beyond um, excited to see someone who looks like me in one of the highest political offices in the country. And um, and it, it's also infuriating because people don't know really what the Department of the Interior is. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's managing our public lands and national parks, but the Bureau of Indian Affairs and Bureau of Indian Education also fall under the Department of the Interior. And so for me, I'm like, it, how did it not make sense for a native person to run the Department of the Interior, uh, considering the respect and relationship that we have for Mother Earth, and mm -hmm. so when we're when we're thinking about uh, our natural resources, um, our waters, and our lands, of course we're going to do all we can to protect Mother Earth. And so, a Native person <laughs> who knows that deep relationship and has that deep relationship should be um, overseeing that. Uh, and then, when it comes to tribal communities, why isn't a Native person overseeing? Um, again, those policies that directly impact us as directly impact our communities. Um, but I'm, I'm beyond excited. I, I can't say what I'm writing. I, I'm, I can say that I'm writing something about Deb Holland right now. I can't say what oh, it's for. Awesome. <laughs> but I've been spending the past several days writing about her. So, um, you know, I, and all I'll say is, um, I say this in the piece, but, um, she is, she's shattered the colonizer's glass ceiling. And for me, that's another level. Um, you know, we talk about so many women shattering glass ceilings, um, but to, sh to shatter the colonizer's glass ceiling is 
you know, takes her badassery to another level because mm-hmm. um, she comes from a community that is not even supposed to be here today. That's extraordinary. Um, Allie, I just thank you so much for the the work that you do for the community, the interconnectedness that you are building and the attention and spotlight that you are bringing um, to your community. Because I do, you know, as, as part of a community that is villainized, the black community that is villainized and criminalized uh, and over surveilled. It's like we have too much negative attention, whereas you have no attention at all. Um, And and, you know, and it's and it's like, what does it mean um, to be seen? Right. What is it? What does it mean to to show up in a way that you are forcing people to look at you um, and combat the narratives and the stereotypes that they've created? Um, what's next for protecting the sacred? Well, we just went through a whole strategic planning process and kind of um, narrowing in our focus on Native youth. So we will be um, we're having a Native youth summit that's coming up this summer. And then uh, later this year, we're. Uh, planning a BIPOC youth summit that's focused on indigenous issues. So we wanna get the conversation started around allyship and the importance of collaboration amongst our cross collaboration amongst all of our communities of color, because, you know, as adults, we're still figuring out what that means. And so it's, it's um, we should be teaching our children, uh, our children that, uh, that way of leadership. And, and so that's what we're really focusing on is uh, empowering uh, Native youth and also just continuing to amplify Indigenous voices and storytelling um, and, and hoping that, you know, sometime in the near future, we are normalized in, in mainstream media. Well, Ali, I hope that you come back and you join us on Woke AF to share more of the work that you're doing and just, you know, help to open our eyes and kind of break the gaslight uh, that has been happening through, you know, out centuries here so that we can all have a better understanding and build better community together. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciated talking with Ali about the interconnectedness and interdependence that are required from a community in which people are expected to take care of each other. I think that there is much for those of us outside of Navajo Nation to take away from those two words as COVID rates continue to surge and we experience another summer dealing with the devastating effects of climate change. I always tell you how important it is to take care of yourself, but it is just as important that we take care of one another. That is it for me today on Woke AF. To hear more from me, please do head over to Patreon and consider supporting me at patreon.com slash Woke AF to support independent media boosting diverse voices and perspectives. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.